I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the Webby-nominated podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm really excited to announce my partnership with Book of the Month Club, bookofthemonth.com. Book of the Month has been around since 1926, although not as a website, obviously. And each month you can pick from the five books that they think are the greatest, which are their books of the month, and you can pick the one you want the most, and they'll send it to you. It's really fantastic. In September, they had an early release of Adrian Broder's Wild Game, which I'm releasing this week, and it's fantastic. I have a special code for my listeners, code Zibby, Z-I-B-B-Y. So if you put in this exclusive code, you will get your first book for just $5, which is an exclusive offer that they're not offering to anybody else, and that's really exciting. So you should definitely sign up. Use code Zibby, Z-I-B-B-Y. They really have fantastic books, and And um, I use the service myself. I've given it as gifts. I adore it. And you should definitely sign up and let me know what you think. Tiffany Schlein is the author of 24-6, The Power of Unplugging One Day a Week. An Emmy-nominated filmmaker and creator of the Webby Awards, she has won more than 80 awards and distinctions herself. Four of her films have premiered at Sundance. Her original series, The Future Starts Here, has received over 40 million views. Newsweek even called her one of the women shaping the 20th century. Not bad. She currently lives with her husband and two daughters. So welcome, Tiffany. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm happy to be here. Oh, good. (laughs) So 24-6, the power of unplugging one day a week. Mm -hmm. Tell listeners what this is about and how you came to write this book. Well, let's see. I have a career steeped in technology. And obviously, I had so many hopes for the web and in the early days of all the amazing things it would allow us to do and connect and creativity and connect ideas and people. But I never imagined it would make everyone just staring down, addicted, and distracted all the time. That was never part of the original (laughs) hopes for the web. Anyway, so after running the Web Awards, I sold that like 12 years ago or maybe 13 years ago. And, I mean, I run a film studio in San Francisco. And when the iPhone came out in 2007, I, like everyone else, got totally addicted. And I just never felt very present, distracted. And then I had this moment in my life that I'm sure your listeners, you know, those moments where you feel like just life is grabbing you by the shoulders and just having you reprioritize. My father, who I was incredibly close to, was diagnosed with brain cancer, and he was given nine months to live. And then that same couple days, I found out I was pregnant after five miscarriages. And I just was thinking a lot about life and death. And when I would visit my dad, I would turn off my phone, of course. And I started really thinking about turning off my phone, how much more present I felt. And then my father did pass away, and then my daughter was born with a couple days later. And then we were invited to we were invited to be part of something called the National Day of Unplugging by this organization, Reboot, that I'm a part of. And it was a ceremonial day. Let's turn off the screens for one day a year. And my husband and I and our two daughters did it, and I had just had a baby. And it felt so good. I was like, this is what I need. And I have to say, I mean, and we've never stopped doing it, and it's been 10 years. But I should say I'm Jewish. I didn't grow up with Shabbat. I'm not a religious Jew. I'm a cultural Jew. My husband did Shabbat dinners, but to have a full day of no screens is the modern version of a day of rest in my mind. And it's been the most incredible practice of my life. I just feel like the longer we do it, the better it gets. I never thought this would be my first book. I have another book I've been wanting to write. and But I just felt like, oh my gosh, I have so much to share. Like our daughters love it. It's our favorite day of the week. I feel more creative, more productive. I'm happier on those days. I laugh more. I'm, oh my God, it's like this super, like this secret sauce. And it's this ancient tradition that has so much wisdom in it. 
And I'm so excited to get these ideas out because it's, you know, it's not something I tried for a couple years or a couple months or digital detail. You know, it's not that it's like a whole different way to live is to have a real structure around your week and to have a true day of rest and a true day where we have a big Shabbat meal, we have a big meal every Friday night with family and friends, and no one brings their screen, and it's very different to be with people without their phones. And then the next day is like the most del- delicious day of my week that I like. I look forward to all week. It's really hard to believe that having to say we had dinner without our phones is like a thing. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know what I mean? It's mashugan ice cream. It's that is half of what I find. Like I can't believe that I'm having. I have a list at the back of the book, fun things to do without screens by that. age, and I do I it all the way up that. to sixty five plus because everyone feels addicted. Everyone's forgotten how to live beforehand, and it feels like. I'm just going, wait, let's remember our humanity. We enjoyed so many things without this distraction device. And the the web can bring so many wonderful, joyful things. It can connect us in so many ways, but not 24-7 and not the way we're living with them right now and not the way it's causing mental health issues, um, data and privacy issues, issues with our democracy and our election. Like there's a lot of stuff going on because the business model around the phone is all to keep you glued all the time. Yeah, and they do a good job. They do a great job. How can you Hands compete up, with yes. thousands of engineers and behavioral scientists that are focused on addicting you to staring at that screen? I have not been able to. So, <laughs> in fact, yeah. I was just saying earlier, like, I read your book and you're so, you make such a compelling argument and I totally mm. bought it, but I just feel like I'm not ready. <laughs> like, I why? feel like it's like an intervention. I don't know. I mean, I said to my husband, I was like, I think I'll try it. Like, why don't we all try it? And he's like, okay. He's like, but you're going to be like, just one thing or let's yeah, figure out how to get to, here faster than there. But or, you know what? That's kind of fun. And how old are your kids? I have twins that are 12, six, and almost five. That's a great time for you to start doing this. I mean, just bake it in early. And my 16-year-old daughter says all the time, you know, she's she loves, so glad she has this day. Hmm. You know, when you, she's a junior, it's so stressful in high school. And it's like a wall of protection for one day to I regroup. Feel like if I had done your technology Shabbat for a month, I would have written about it. Like you waited 10 years to write about this concept. I know because I guess... I wasn't doing it to write something. No, I, would, I know. I, but I think that's interesting because I just have somebody say, well, like, you know, you do often see those books like, I did this for a year and right, here's yeah. my, and that was so not my journey. It was kind of like, oh, gosh, this feels great. It just keeps feeling better and better. And it, and I'm it's giving me all these new insights on technology and society and daydreaming and, you know, just what is life. It just, it gives you this day to really think big picture thoughts about a lot of this stuff. But when you say that you don't think you do it, I actually think all the kind of mini attempts during the week, which I also have a lot of strategies in the book about that. I think it's harder when it's around. It's your phone, it's your alarm clock, it's your map, it's getting your car, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But to have a clear boundary is actually wonderful. Because I I put it away on Friday night, and it's like in this part of the kitchen that I I don't get to. And I don't see it. Mm -hmm. And then I just feel liberated. It's so liberating. I think people don't realize how much you feel tethered. And somebody, I was talking to somebody earlier, I was like, I take my dog off leash. It's like taking yourself off leash. You get to be... Free in a way I think we've forgotten because we're just too available to everything and everyone. And you don't realize how much you're being influenced. I mean, you're a mom, so, you know, obviously you're always there for your kids. But we're there for everyone and we're there for all the news and everyone's vacation shots and everyone's other drama. And, you know, it's just too much for a human to kind of be in and be comfortable with just not reaching for that device every second that you have downtime. One of the most powerful things, I think, there are a lot of powerful reasons Mm -hmm. to take your breaks break from a phone. But when you said we have 30,000 days, like basically on average, 
how do we want to live ours? Yeah. And that you realize this so much with your dad's passing away and that yeah. the time is just so finite. It's so short. Do you really want to spend the equivalent of, what, 10,000 days on your phone, like looking down? Yeah. You know, my 10-year-old, we're working on a movie. We're releasing five short two-minute films that go with the book and this global day I do called Character Day. And one's called Dear Parent, which we're releasing tomorrow. One's called Dear Student for Teens. One's called Dear CEO for Tech CEOs. One's Dear Legislature for all these laws that should be thought of. And then Dear Fellow Human. We were working on the films, and one day this summer I brought in my 10-year-old because she film interns at my film studio. And she just That's awesome. sits around and it says interesting things for us. And we were working on the film and she goes, no one's going to be at the end of their life saying, I wish I was on the screens more. And I was like, did she just, did she just drop some serious wisdom? Yeah. And she, You're like, my job is done. Yeah. Bluma, did you just say that? And, you know, of course she hasn't seen that life insurance ad that we all saw <laughs> 15 years ago that said, no one's ever going to look back in their life and said, I wish I worked longer. Right. Which that ad always stopped me in my tracks. But it's the same thing with screens. Like, and so I think as a for a family, it's a whole family commitment. You you have to come, go all in. And Ken is our Shabbos goy. If we really need to look something up or we're lost or something, we have to we are in an urgent situation. <laughs> that happens rarely. Uh, he's the one who looks it up and puts it right back. I I don't want to even look at it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to be near it. I, I feel like this is my day off from all of that. But it's a full family thing. And the thing that I would say to people is. First of all, don't go to your family. We're going to turn off screens one day a week. That's the worst approach. Okay. They will cry. Okay, <laughs> I won't do it that way. But if you say to every member of the family, what do you wish you had more time to do? And everyone has that list. And everyone wrote down three things. They wish they had more time to do. And then you fill the day with that. And it becomes everyone's favorite day. You know, it could just be reading, playing soccer, doing some art, learning how to play the ukulele, making cookies, napping. Whatever it is. Yeah. Life. Life. Yeah. Without screens. Without screens. Unplugged. And I really love the ritual behind it. Like that yeah. there's meaning and that you tied it to something with a history. I read your interview with Beth Riccanati, who I also oh. had on the podcast. Oh, she's so great. Um, we had so much fun. Today. It sounded like yeah. it. I was sort of sad I wasn't there to listen. <laughs> but both of you, because her ritual is making the, the challah, challah. And you both have been doing this for 10 years. You with the And it's very and meditative. You have a, a challah recipe we in there. Both, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we both have to bake. At first, we were going to do the interview while we were making challah over Skype, but it didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's like, I don't know, investing it with that tradition yeah. somehow makes it more, I don't know, worthy of doing yeah, or something. And, I don't know. And, it, and, and it, connects you to everybody else in a way where Yeah, I love knowing that people are doing Shabbat all over the world. And again, I'm not a religious, I'm not observing it in a religious way because, you know, religious, observant, Orthodox Jews, they don't write, they don't drive, they don't use money. I have great respect for that. That's not my way into it. But I do love that everyone all over the world is doing it on the same night that yeah. connects you to something larger than yourself. And the hollow is very much a part of it because my whole journey starts on Friday morning, making the hollow with my youngest, hands in the dough. It's very meditative, not on a phone. It's in hollow dough. It's very wonderful. You have to let it rise all day to remind you some things need to rise all day. Yeah. And then we always have people over, and we make the exact same meal every Friday night. So it's not a complicated thing. At this point, it's like we got it down. Ten years of making this. It sounded this. delicious. I was reading your book like late at night, and I was sitting at my yeah. desk like really hungry, and I was like, "Ooh, I can like smell the roast chicken and you the have onion." To come, you have, have to like, come if you're ever in San Francisco. Thank you. But yeah, we do like a modified Shabbat. I can't even call it Shabbat dinner. Like at this point, we like light two candles and rip a challah apart. That. And sometimes, like I forget, and they'll be like taking a shower. I'll be like, "Say 
start singing. <laughs> start doing this. Yeah, like that was <laughs> kind of the way. Well, I mean, I think that is most of the Jews in my life are cultural Jews. There's a handful that are more religious, but if they do a Shabbat, it's usually, you know, maybe occasionally light the candles. But I think for me, and this was what was so exciting, is the power came in the full day. Mm-hmm. And I got that because I always kind of associated it with the Shabbat meal. I'm like, oh, it's about the full day of rest. It's the fourth commandment above do not murder. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. big. Like as an ethical, and to me, Judaism, I much more identified as like a practice and ethics and a way of thinking and wrestling with ideas, but that's my in. And so wow, a full day of rest. And what does a full day of rest mean today? Well, it means turning off the screens to us, you know, and we don't look at any, you know, there's no TV. We don't have anything on because it's just a conduit to so much else. And you the um, Jewish philosopher Abraham Heschel calls it a palace in time, not in space. You're not going to a temple. You're creating a palace in time, mm. in a day. Wow. Which I really love too, that idea. And I feel like it's particularly impressive that you are doing this because from reading your bio and watching all of your, I mm. mean, you've done so much stuff and you're like in it, you're making films and- I love it all. I, I'm not I mean, anti. You're, you're not like sitting around like, oh, I'm going to take the day off from Pilates to not be on my phone. You are like no, so right. busy. like, And yet you were saying that you're even more productive as a result of I this. feel like that. I can look at my career- like when I was starting the Webbies, I worked all the time. So that wait, tell me for two seconds about starting the Webbies. Was, was it your idea? Okay, so I was super into computers when I was in middle school and high school. This is before the Mac. This is I'm 49, so just to like place us in the 80s yep. before the web. And I remember. I, okay. I was there. <laughs> okay. I got a Mac, and I just thought that was miraculous because I had a modem that I could connect with that crazy sound, like, mm-hmm. sh- yeah. connect to the library. And in high school, before the web, this other student and I wrote this proposal called Uniting Nations in Telecommunications and Software about the power of personal computers to connect students all over the world. Now, that wasn't there yet, but this was like the, what we saw as the potential. From this one-page proposal, who I sent to Congresswoman Barbara Boxer at the time, mm-hmm. I then got invited to be a student ambassador to the Soviet Union to talk about the power of personal computers at 18 before I went to college, before I went to Cal. So I was like... I was so ready for this to happen, but it wasn't there yet. And then I was making movies, and I would pay for my movies by working in technology. I worked in CD-ROMs to kind of pay for my films. And I was working on a CD-ROM about Sting, and somebody said, Tiffany, you have to see this thing called the web. There's a website, and people all over the world are talking about how much they love Sting's music on a website. And I was like, it's here. It's here. I moved back to San Francisco. I wasn't there at the time. I started working for The Web Magazine, which was a magazine way ahead of its time. This is like the late 90s. And they were like, we own the Webby Award trademark, and we have no budget for it. And I had just created this website for them. And do you think you can do something with it? I'm like, can I do something with it? First of all, I'm an independent filmmaker, so I know how to do something with no money. And this is my great passion is the web. And so I felt it was like I got free reign and the Webbies became so big. The Web Magazine actually they folded the magazine and they we spun out the Webby Awards and it was like driving a rocket ship. And I worked with this incredible woman Maya Drazen, who um, lives in New York. She's my best friend. And we went through so much. And then after a, almost a decade, I started had my first child and. I didn't want to work like that. So this was like the great struggle for every working woman can relate to this is I was working my ass off on this, on the Webby Awards and I just had a child. Like, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. How do I be a good mother and contribute to the world? And that's when I knew I had made a film for Planned Parenthood while I was running the Webby Awards and it got into Sundance. 
And I kind of went back to my original dream, which was filmmaking combined with everything I learned from the web to make social change. So shortly after that, I sold the Webby Awards, started a film studio in San Francisco, and I've made a lot of documentaries about women's rights, technology, Jewish stuff, and what does it mean to be human in the 21st century. So all of my work, if you were to look at all my 30 films and the Webbies and my book, they're all connected. They're like neuroscience, psychology, about and philosophy about what does it mean to be human in the age of technology? When does it amplify who we are and when does it amputate who we are? And that is always my question. And so right now I feel like this book is, I think it's amputating a lot of experiences. And I think we need to reclaim, you know, when is it important to turn the phone off? Your book, I felt, was so well-written. I thought it was going to be very, I just didn't know. Like, I I didn't realize there, I felt like there was a lot of memoir to it. Like, there was much more about your life, which I'm super, not that I even knew you before, but like, I love hearing about people's life stories. You wove in so much of that with Mm. your dad and having your baby. And Mm, like, it was, it was like part memoir, which made, it just made your arguments that much more powerful because I understood like where you were coming from. Oh, I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, Getting that right balance and, you know. I enjoyed writing so much. I mean, I did one other book. I wouldn't even count it a book, but it, it was like a booklet. It was for the TED conference, and they I had made a film about a child's developing brain, and I made a. They asked me to make a book from it. So it was thirty pages, you know. It was more of a multimedia book. So this was my first book, and everyone was like, "Are there going to be images in it?" Because I make so many images for my movies. I was like, "No." And I loved the creative constraint of it, and I loved writing. You're such a good writer. Oh, thank no, you. No, seriously. I mean, yeah. you really, I mean, it It was It was great. So how did you do it? Did you just sit down and you're like, I'm going to just write my first book and it's going to... No, a couple things I would say is that I've thought about a lot of these ideas have been in my films. So I've made a lot of short films that actually on my website, 246life.com, I link to all these short films that have explored a lot of these issues. So I've thought about that a lot, but I was in a book club with a whole bunch of women, and two of my best friends were in it, and we are they're writers. And I knew I wanted to write this book, so we peeled off and started a writer's group. We met once a month, three of us, called the Investigative Poets, and we met once a month, and we each turned in nine pages a month. And we did that for the last two years. And that was so—if anyone listening wants to write a book, I highly recommend— Whoever, it just takes three people to hold each other accountable. And that was a big part of it. And the other, this is the big part of it too, is I started going to bed at 9 p.m. and getting up at 5 and writing from 5 to 7 before my kids got up. And it felt like I found two hours. I mean, it was it was amazing. It takes real discipline to go to bed that early, which I only do like four days a week. I'm not doing that on the weekends. But to have from 5 to 7 to write, my mind is the most clear then. And no emails are coming in. And I did that really, I'm going to say, really religiously. I got up at five and wrote on most days of the week. And I would go to the public library. and But I loved it. I just felt like there was nothing else I was supposed to be doing when I was writing. That's amazing. Yeah. And I had great editors. And, you know, Karen Marcus at Gallery Books and Jenny Trey, who was my developmental editor, who's worked on a lot of my movies. It is collaborative in a very different way, you know, than making a film. Film involves a lot of people. and But a book is so much fun. Do you have a five-word piece of advice to aspiring authors in the style of your webbies? I'm putting you on the spot here. Get up at five. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I am telling you, anyone that I've told, like, if you can really try to do it just four days a week, you found two hours you didn't have. I mean, I'm already up with my kids at, at that time. They get up at five? Well, I'm lucky well, if they the get young. to six. My, well, bit, this has yeah. only been, I don't think I could have, because, well, it's only been in the last, like, four years that I could have done that. 
Yeah, because mine 10 and 16, and now they're starting to sleep in. Yeah. But, you know, I also think going to the library, a library is a beautiful place to write. First of all, it's so inspiring because there's so many books. It's very quiet, and it's a great place. I think What I really recommend is create a ritual, I guess is what I'm saying, that is your time to write. Don't try to squeeze it in, like say, I'm going to take this seriously, and I'm going to either get up at 5 if you can't do that, while my kids are at school for two hours, I'm going to go to the library and make that just a really focused boundary. I think what I'm talking a lot about with the book and with this is creating some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Our lives become, there's no boundaries with anything. We're writing, we're mothering, we're all on the phone, we're tweeting, we're notifying, we're we're just not anywhere really because we're trying to be everywhere. And then that just makes it so you can't really be present for anything. Are there things that you feel you just don't have time for? I mean, you're doing all these things. You can get up early and write. You can do your films. Like, did you have to cut anything out? Oh, well, I didn't make a film for the last two years. We're just making these short films, and I kind of missed it. I was. It feels like my other lover. I feel like short films count. That yeah. counts as making films. Oh, yeah. I, my short films, I go through a lot with my short. I think they're hard. I mean, I've made a feature that was hard and great, but hard and a long journey. But short films, they're a great creative challenge because you have to squeeze in Everything. Actually, you said 30,000 Days spoke to you. You should see, I made a 10-minute film called 30,000 Days, and it's all about that subject. I wanted to watch your film. It was called Making of a Mensch. Oh, Making of a Mensch. That's 10 minutes. Yeah. It's hard to squeeze, like, thousands of years of ideas about being a mensch or about living a good life into 10 minutes. So it's the ultimate creative challenge. My husband's um, a producer. He's working on a film called The Mensch. By the way, you guys should talk. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You should talk. Okay. Okay. You'll connect us. (laughs) I'll connect you. But that's awesome. So... Any parting words of advice on people who have decided they're going to take okay. the plunge? I do. Yes, give, I do. Give me, give me a pep talk. So and all first of all, uh, when is this airing? This is airing on October, probably October 17th. Okay. So the nonprofit that I have in San Francisco is called Let It Ripple. And we do a global event called Character Day, which happens in schools and companies and homes around the country and world. And this year, the focus is going to be your character, who you are, in relationship to screen use. When does being on screens amplify who you are and when does it diminish it? So qualities like empathy, gratitude, courage, social responsibility, all those things. So this year, it actually happens in September, but we're going to have, we're guiding people through three weeks of mini challenges like wake up and don't look at your phone for 15 to 30 minutes. Do something else. Replace it with something else you love doing. Don't have it at meals, all these mini challenges. And then this week is we're inviting everyone to do a tech Shabbat with us for four weekends in a row because that's how you build a habit. Now, even though your listeners are listening to this after that's happened, this is the first time we're going to leave everything up. So whenever you hear this, you can go to the site. You can go to 246life.com, and it's 24, the number, S-I-X, life.com, and say, I want to try this, and we will kind of walk you through an eight-week program, really, for free, of just with inspiring short films and research and articles that will make you want to do it and approaches to get your family on board and all this kind of stuff to kind of walk you through the process. And of course, in the book, as you said, it's memoir, but there's a lot of like, how do I really bring this into my life? And what are some bigger ideas around this? So the book has got everything in it. And then if you really want to try it, we'll kind of guide you through. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this and coming Uh, on. Time to relax. It's great to be here. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks again for my new partnership with Book of the Month Club, bookofthemonth.com. Use code Zibby, Z-I-B-B-Y, to get your first book for just $5 and sign up for this really fantastic subscription box service. 
Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 